Good morning, and again, welcome to Journey, and thanks, uh, Rodney. Man, I remember that day some years ago when we tore down a barn, and I saw what Rodney could do, and uh, he's been a great friend, and it's great to have him on staff, and uh, he is leading us in a lot of things. Uh, some of the, his work up here, he and some uh, Chuck uh, did this a few weeks ago. Uh, so, you know, it's great to be involved, and I think his story is one of just uh, service and what God can do when we put ourselves at his uh, availability. So, I encourage you to keep that in mind. If you want to have a lot of fun and get some great things done, serve our Lord. Uh, keep that work day in mind. Well, it's good to have you with us today. We are kicking off a new series today, one I've been looking forward to for some time. Try to write in advance our messages so that we have some idea uh, to uh, kind of get excited about it personally. And uh, so I'm glad you're here today to join us as we begin the book of, uh, study of the book of John, uh, Jesus, the Untold Story. And we'll explain why we titled that here in a few moments. But if someone were to ask you, who is Jesus, I hope that you would come up with a confident answer. Hopefully you would say, well, Jesus is, he's the son of God. That's who Jesus is. But how much more could you tell that person about who Jesus really was? And could you tell them about his life? I mean, what really do you know about Jesus other than who he is? Obviously, we have his life described. The whole Bible points to Jesus, but his life is kind of described in primarily four books of the Bible that we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of these were written by an individual. The book carries their, their name, the, one, the writer of the book. And each of them give us their take on Jesus' life. Each of them is a little bit different in some ways, but it uh, would be like anyone, four people describing the life of someone. It would be their perspective of, of their life and who that they were. And that explains why if you start at Matthew, the beginning of the New Testament, and begin to read through it, you might discover that you're starting to see some repetition from book to book. Matthew tells a story, and then Mark tells a story, and then Luke would tell the story. And these three books are called the Synoptic Gospels, which primarily means that they are from a similar viewpoint. In other words, they're similar in terms of com uh, content and how they're written, primarily stories. These amazing stories of who Jesus is, the parables that he told. We find all these things uh, in the three synoptic gospels. They tell the stories oftentimes in the similar order. But the book of John is quite different. The fourth book is a different type of gospel, different stories, different languages used, different perspective. And to kind of understand why these four were written in the way they are, uh, understand that each of them wanted to give us a picture of who Jesus is. The book of Mark was the first one written, and then it was, it was written from Peter, the apostle's perspective. So even though it doesn't have his name on it, uh, later on, Peter does write a couple of books in the back part of the, the New Testament, but Peter's story is told in the book of Mark, or his perspective of Jesus. Then the second book to be written, uh, gospel, was, was Matthew. Now, Matthew was one of the 12, the original 12 were called by God, and then came Luke. Uh, in order, the third book, gospel written. And Luke was not an apostle, but he was a historian and also a physician who was very specific about who Jesus was. Luke, while he, maybe he didn't know Jesus personally, he did interview a lot of eyewitnesses and followers of Jesus Christ. And so these three came together to preserve as much as possible the actual words and stories and actions in Jesus' ministry by writing them down. And the, these books were written anywhere from 30 to 50 years after Jesus had gone back into heaven. So understand that the church was spreading about this time, and the apostles were dying. They were being killed or martyred for their faith. And there was a danger of the record being lost. Up to this point, 
It had all been like verbal storytelling, verbal accounts of who Jesus was. But as they grew older, they began to realize, you know what, we got to fix this. we got to provide something so that in 2019, people will know who Jesus was as well. And so that's why they wrote their accounts of the, the life of Jesus Christ. But the Gospel of John is a little bit different than them. While the three are called the synoptic gospel, someone is called John the spiritual gospel. The spiritual gospel. It was, his book was written after the others had been written. The last gospel to be written somewhere around 90 to 100 A.D. And John didn't feel like we needed another account that were very similar to the first three. And so what John does is he supplements theirs with addition to the, the video. About 90% of what John writes is not found anywhere else in the Bible. And so that's why we're calling this series The Untold Story, because the things we're going to talk about in the next few weeks are things that John exclusively tells us. If it were not for this book, we would not know these things about who Jesus is, and specifically about Jesus' mission on this earth. But let me just emphasize that even though they're different, they all tell the same story, and they all talk primarily about Jesus, the same person's who they centered their thoughts and writings around. Now, if you were to look at the life of Jesus, the first glance at Jesus, you would say, it isn't likely that Jesus' story would have been remembered had he not been specifically who he was, right? Because his life itself is not that distinct. For example, Jesus was born in a small, obscure village, a little town called Bethlehem. That wasn't even his hometown. They were out of town because of a census. He returned back to another small village, Nazareth, where he grew up. He was born the child of a very poor couple, peasants in fact. He had very little formal education, in fact no more than the average person of that day. He was not well educated in the way of the world. He never traveled over 200 miles away from the spot where he was born. He never wrote a book himself. He never held a political office. He never visited a truly large city. There were large cities about that time that not even spoken about that Jesus went into. Jesus' life on the earth was only about 33 years, and of those 33 years, only about three of them or so do we know a lot about. Yes, Jesus had a large following at some point in his ministry, but that was primarily a short time, and then the tide of public opinion began to turn against him, and even his closest followers and friends kind of abandoned him. In fact, Jesus was hated by many people, and so strong was their hatred for him that they manipulated a false series of accusations against him in order to arrest him, try him, and then demand that he be put to death. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only things that Jesus probably ever really owned, and that was the clothes that were on his body. And then he was dead. When he was dead, he was laid into a borrowed tomb because he didn't even have the ability uh, to, to own his own burial place. Now, when you look at all of that, that's not a real notable life when you compare that to many other famous people in the world. In fact, many of the originators of other religions, their, their story is a lot bigger than that of Jesus. Their life is a lot longer. However, Jesus today is a central figure of the entire human race. That's the amazing thing, that from this obscure place, Jesus is a central figure of the world. His name on the internet has been searched multiple times more than anybody else's name that's ever been searched. His picture has been on Time Magazine more than anybody, for what that is worth, but his picture's been there more than anybody else. It's amazing. His birth is the cause for the biggest holiday 
in our calendar year. Christmas is the big one, right? And while we've kind of distorted some of it, his birth is what began the whole thing. Jesus also is a basis for our concept of time. We live today in 2019. And what that means, A.D., means in the year of our Lord. That's pretty amazing that this obscure person has affected the entire civilization. It's amazing that Jesus is the central figure of all humanity. But as well known as Jesus is, how much do you really know about him? How much do you know about who Jesus is and what his mission was all about? Uh, a few years ago, a man named Philip Yancey wrote a book entitled The Jesus I Never Knew. And in that book, he talks about a lot of the thoughts and traditions that he always assumed about Jesus when he did research that maybe they weren't necessarily accurate. They were just things that he had seen, his perspective. He had been taught by others that maybe it really wasn't who Jesus really is. In fact, a lot of us, when we have a picture of Jesus, we probably have this picture of a long-haired man, kind of feminine-looking, you know, a nice trimmed beard, you know, kind of a warm-looking guy. That probably isn't who Jesus was at all. In fact, I've got a picture up here. Flip that one up if you would. This is probably what Jesus may have looked like. Not the guy that you've always thought he was, right? That perspective of his picture, no one has a picture, obviously. You know, Jesus wasn't white. He didn't speak English. He didn't even speak King James English, contrary to what we grew up thinking, that uh, like Shakespeare, he didn't speak English at all, you know? He wasn't attractive. This picture, uh, that's not a real attractive kind of guy, but it probably features uh, the guy of that day, a Jewish background, a uh, really simple guy. He wasn't attractive. Isaiah 53 says, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. In other words, he wasn't that on the outside charismatic guy that you look at and go, oh, I'm going to follow him. Instead, the charisma came from inside Jesus, from who he really was. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us all these stories about what Jesus did, but John tells us about who Jesus really was. And so we're going to try to look at the Jesus who really is the Jesus of the Bible, and John is a guy who's going to kind of tell us the untold story of Jesus Christ. So maybe it's great for us in this introductory time to talk about who was John, because obviously if John's going to tell us being authority on Jesus, we need to know who John is. More than likely, you've heard of John several times in our discussion of the Bible. Why? Because John was a very common name in that day, really common, a lot like it is today, obviously. But this John was different. Just this John was one of the original 12 disciples. He was one of the first, in fact, who were called to follow Jesus. Some say that John may have actually been a cousin of Jesus. His mother was Salome, and she may have been a sister to Mary, the mother of Jesus. John had a brother named James, who was also one of the 12, also one of the first ones to be called to follow after Jesus. Their father's name was Zebedee, and so they were called the sons of Zebedee. And they were originally followers of John the Baptist. In fact, they probably had gone out into the wilderness to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. So they were seekers of truth. They were trying to find what was right. John, however, being the, the uh, one to call people to, to worship Jesus or recognize Jesus, he began to send his disciples to follow after Jesus, leaving them, pushing them away, actually, to follow and find Jesus Christ. And so James and John were fishermen by career, and one day when they were in their boats mending their nets, Jesus called them and said, follow me. And they did so. They became followers and seekers of Jesus Christ. Another thing that's interesting about John is that he and his brothers seemed to be pretty volatile. 
Maybe they inherited their temper or their temperament from their father Zebedee. I don't know a lot about him, but, but they were a little bit volatile. In fact, they were called the sons of thunder. You're going to hear why in just a few moments. But these guys were a little bit bold, a little bit brash, maybe loud in some way. And when it came to following Jesus, they were looking for, they were looking for a place to belong and, and a place to serve, but also a place of status. One of the interesting stories about them is that one day in uh, Matthew chapter 20, their mother came and, and confronted Jesus about their place. This is what happened. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. And she said, grant that to these, excuse me, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. I mean, that's a pretty bold ask when you think about it. I mean, of all the other followers, you know, mom come and says, I want my two boys to be on the right and left, which means a lot in that day, especially when it comes to the, a king, the two most powerful people in the kingdom. I want my boys to be there. And Jesus said this, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And they said, we can, they answered. But you know what? These two guys had no idea how far over their head they were about to get. They thought they could be on board, but when they followed Jesus, everything changed and the whole situation they expected was totally different. Because this cup that Jesus offered was not a cup of power. It was not a cup of, hey, you're my right-hand guy, my left-hand guy. It was, are you willing to die for me? Are you willing to suffer and die? And so Jesus kept reminding them, hey, my kingdom is not what you think. My kingdom is not of this world, you know. But their default, like ours often is, is that it's a worldly kingdom, and we're going to make it happen. We're going to force it. There's another interesting story that kind of tells us about who they were uh, to kind of see who John really uh, was. And this is in uh, Luke chapter 9. When Jesus and his disciples were uh, traveling, they were near a Samaritan village. It was a little bit unusual that, that these Jews might go and stay with Samaritans, whom they hated, but uh, Jesus was trying to bring people together, so he sent his disciples into the Samaritan village to try to find lodging for the night. But the villagers, they didn't want Jesus there. So they actually told them to go away and to move on. Here's what it said. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? I mean, that, that's a new strategy, right? If you can't win them, kill them, you know, annihilate them. And uh, so Jesus is like, oh, no, no, that's not, it's not what the kingdom is all about. In fact, he rebuked these guys that were called the sons of thunder, and there was a good reason for it, right? So that was kind of the temperament of these guys that Jesus had. And, and it seems to be pretty much across the board, rough people. Peter was also a guy that was bold and brash. And, you know, so when, when Jesus calls people, you don't have to clean your act up first because he takes you just as you are. You can be a little rough around the edges, and Jesus can still use you. And what I like about this, too, is that Jesus didn't call wimpy men. He called real men. You know, I think our world needs some real men today in, a, in the face of a culture that's trying to demasculize, de is that a word? Uh, that's trying to take masculinity out. Jesus called people who were real men and said, I want you to come and be a man and follow me because this is going to be a tough job, but I'll take you just like you are and I'll mold you and make you to be like me. Now, as rough and tumble as these two guys were, they were fiercely loyal to Jesus. I mean, they loved Jesus. Whether they were related or not, it didn't matter. They loved Jesus, and Jesus loved them. In fact, James and John were also uh, a part of the inner circle that Jesus called. He had the 12, but then he also had three people 
that he spent a lot more time with, and he brought them into special times and places. Uh, James and John and Peter were those three in the inner circle there, and they got a chance to uh, uh, be allowed to be with Jesus at special times that nobody else got a chance to, to be with him. Like, for example, the transfiguration. He took these three up on the mountain with him, and they were able to see Jesus revealed in his full glory. Remember up there with Elijah and Moses, and, and God said, this is my son. John was one of the ones who got to witness that. John was also one of the three who went with Jesus in the garden to, to, pr to pray right before his arrest. He got a chance to go. He, he slept through a lot of it, but he was there. You know, he, he did show up. And then John was closest to Jesus at the Last Supper. Remember it says that, that, that uh, he reclined back on Jesus. So it was an honor to be close to Jesus. And Jesus, I believe, chose those places and that honor for John. He was also uh, the first to know that Judas was the betrayer. Jesus confided that to John, the one that dips his bread with me in the cup will betray me. And then also John was with Mary at, at the foot of the cross. Remember that? All the other disciples seemed to have run away, but John was there beside Mary, the mother of Jesus. And John was also the one that Jesus asked to take care of his mother once he died. John was also the first one to witness the risen, uh, excuse me, John was also the first one to the empty tomb. John was the one who ran in front of Peter, outran him and got there first. And John was the one who wrote the gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and also the book of Revelation. And John lived longer than any of the other 12 disciples. He was blessed in a lot of ways. He outlived them. All of them, all the others of them were martyred. And he himself, they attempted to kill him. In fact, they, they tried to kill him by boiling him in oil. But he survived that. You can imagine what he was probably scarred and what he looked like. He survived that attempt on his life. He was exiled to the island of Patmos, where he received and wrote down the revelation of Jesus Christ. It wasn't the revelation of John. It was the revelation of Jesus Christ um, that we have today, the book of Revelation. And tradition says that John ended up in Ephesus. And there, as an old man, uh, he ministered, he served and, uh, and he uh, lived to be a, an older guy, probably the only of the 12 disciples who was not killed for his faith. So when you hear the story of John, this is the guy we're talking about. I mean, he was a veteran of a lot of experiences. He was the guy that, who was the disciple that Jesus loved. When you hear that phrase, that's automatically going to be John. And near the end of his life, John was not known for anger or volatility. He was known for love. Because God transformed his life and changed him in miraculous ways. So that's the guy that, who wrote the book, Gospel of John. So here we're going to be talking about. Now, what does the word gospel mean? Gospel means good news. John brought good news. And he was proud, I know, for his book to be called uh, The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus' life was spent loving people and telling the people good news. And the good news is that through Christ, we can have our sins forgiven. Through his coming, his life, his sacrifice, his death on the cross, our sins can be forgiven. We can be, have a relationship with God through Christ, and that we can be promised that whenever we die, we can go to heaven. I mean, that's good news. That, that's what we're all longing for, because the reality is that we're all going to die. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far from God you've come. In fact, it doesn't matter where you are today in your relationship with him. Even if you're doubtful of God, if you are, are cynical of God, you're a little bit bitter or indifferent to God, it doesn't matter where you are. God is calling you to come back to him. 
Because Jesus came to show his love and to invite you to come to him for salvation. That's the good news. Jesus spent his entire life preaching that, living that, you know, trying to motivate us to continue that ministry on down the road, showing people the love of Christ and the love of God and how to have a relationship with him. And you know what? He didn't care who you were. He didn't care how far you had come from society. You could be a thief, a prostitute. You could be any kind of sinner, outcast. You could be rich, poor, male, female, Jew, Gentile. Jesus didn't care, you know? He loved everybody. And that's the, that's the Jesus that John wants to show us. That's the Jesus we're going to see. Maybe the Jesus that you've never really understood before. And that Jesus is who John captured in his gospel now, he doesn't tell us all the stories that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he doesn't tell us about the birth of Jesus. You know, we don't even get that. We don't get a, a lot of parables in that story. We don't get the temptation of Jesus. We don't get any boyhood stories, the Sermon on the Mount, very little of what the others actually tell us. John lets go. It's already been told. He doesn't contradict them, but he just gives us an additional perspective. He adds to our knowledge of who Jesus really was. Here's another thing you learn about John, is that John had a picture of what Jesus' ministry was like that nobody else defines. For example, he calls him the Word. He said, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's next week's message, but that's, that's the story, you know. He also says he is the light. He is the light of the world. That's an incredible picture of Jesus. He calls him the Creator. He calls him the only begotten of the Father. He calls him the Lamb of God. And he calls him the great I am. In fact, in the book of John, in the book of John, we get the seven great I am statements of Jesus. You might want to jot these down. Jesus, who, who, did, who do you say you are? Jesus said, I am. Here's what he says. I am the bread of life in John 6. I am the light of the world, John 8. He said, before Abraham was born, I am. He predates Abraham in the Old Testament, John chapter 8. I am the good shepherd in John chapter 10. I am the resurrection and the life, in John 11. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 15. I am the true vine, John 15 as well. So, you know, we see all that picture of who Jesus really is by saying, I am. And we'll come back and hit on those, some of those themes as, as we go through the study here. But you know what John really captured more than anybody is the true importance of the purpose of Jesus' life. The reason that Jesus really came because John also was the one, the only one, in fact, who recorded the last words of Jesus on the cross. And those were the words, it is finished. Only John captured those words for us. Others gave us the other sayings of the cross, but only John caught those. And he, he emphasized those because that really tells us what Jesus' life was all about. The mission of Jesus Christ coming to our world to seek and to save the lost, it was finished. His work was finished with the death of Jesus on the cross. And John didn't want anyone to miss that. I want you to know why Jesus came, what the mission was, and the mission was accomplished. The stories and parables, we want to know those about Jesus, but don't miss the true reason that Jesus actually came. And so he adds at the end of his gospel, this is what he adds, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. You know what that is? That's a nod to the other guys to say, yeah, you know, go Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They'll tell you all the stories, many other signs. Many of them weren't even recorded. However, these are written that you may believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. No, John didn't want anyone to miss the real purpose of Jesus' coming. And so the point of his gospel is that you might believe that Jesus, yourself, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he is the only way to God and to eternal life. So my prayer is on this study and this journey that we're on here that, that John is going to make you think, that John is going to really emphasize who Jesus is, but he's going to settle some things for you in your own mind. He's going to push you to a point where you have to decide where you are on your spiritual journey. And are you willing to take the next steps to him? And here's how he's going to do it. If you're indifferent, John's going to get in your face, and he's going to force you to make a decision. You know, sometimes we just need to be forced to decide, I'm in or I'm out, you know? And John may force you to do that if you're indifferent about who Jesus is. That Jesus is either God, like he claimed, or he is a liar or a lunatic. He, he's one or the other. You know, you got to decide. If you're an agnostic, if you come today <coughs> and you know something about Jesus, but you can't decide who he is, John's going to give you the evidence that you need to make an informed decision. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but you're pretty passive about it, John's going to force you to be honest and to start living what you claim you believe. He's going to get in your face about some things and force you to make a choice and if you're here as a committed believer of Jesus Christ, then get ready because hopefully we're going to challenge you to discover the Jesus that you never really knew, totally. And you're going to get excited about this one who loves you so much because John's going to show you the real Jesus Christ. John doesn't mess around. Remember in his younger days, he was called the Sons of Thunder? That kind of reminds me, have you seen those, uh, like those uh, reformed bikers, you know, who have given their life to the Lord? And they're not real smooth, and they're kind of rough, and they're kind of brash and bold, and they get in your face, and they force you to listen to the truth. That's how I think about John, like a motorcycle gang member who, who may have been turned to Jesus. I don't know if they had motorcycles back then. But you know what? We all need to be reminded and challenged about who Jesus is, and John's going to do that. And that's why I'm excited about this story. I want to encourage you, if you're a seeker, and you're just curious about who Jesus is, you're going you're gonna to discover who Jesus is in the next few weeks. And if you're a follower, then I'm going to encourage you to come to love John, not as much as you love Jesus, but love John because he was a follower. And you're going to want to be like him, and you're going to want to share Jesus with other people as well. So this morning, that's kind of where we're going. I'm excited about that. I hope you make a commitment to be here. But you know what? More than anything else, I hope you make a commitment to follow Jesus. And that's our real invitation to you this morning. If you never come back, uh, or you're not in an area where you could come back to us, you don't live around here, uh, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And that he, he has given everything for you. And maybe today, even unexpectedly, even though you're a guest here, you would say, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make that decision, be obedient to him. And if you're around here and you're kind of wondering for purpose in life, you know, like Rodney said, there's a reason Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, to serve, not to be served. God has a purpose for your life, and you can discover that only in Jesus Christ. So I'd be glad to have a conversation with you at any time. Just give me, some, just give me a call, an email, or whatever, and we'll talk about your next step on your journey. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we're excited about this study. God, we're excited about your word. Uh, it is the most uh, known and most read book in the world, and yet, God, many of us have, have not 
really acknowledged it or perhaps we haven't delved into it the way we should. So, Lord, as we study the book of John, the gospel of Jesus, the spiritual gospel, uh, and, and really who, who Jesus is, Father, I pray that you would just give us insight and wisdom. God, you'd give us conviction in our hearts to follow after you close. And, Lord, you would lead us to make a decision to uh, give you our all, our lives, commit to you. So, Lord, I pray you'll guide us now in our time of, of worship and communion, and you'd be glorified through these things. And I pray in Christ's name, amen.